Fight fans, happy Wednesday, or should I say happy March 16th. It being March 16th, Will, I know you know what this day is. Happy 316, everybody, and I'm sure you can appreciate this. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. And that's the bottom line. There we go. Happy 316. I put that together for the radio show today, so I thought uh, since we're recording as well, just carry it over because you can appreciate that. Oh, man. I mean, you know I love me some WWE, so that, (laughs) yeah, that just made my day. I was already geeked up for the show, and now uh, it took me up a level. I love that. There we go. You hear the glass shatter every time it gets, like, I get hyped every time I just hear the glass shatter. I'm, I'm like, on another level afterward. (laughs) Um, That is Will Brewer. I am Colby Daniels. Awesome fight card last week. We have a big-time fight card this week. We have a ton of big news items within the MMA world, so uh, a lot to talk about today. What's happening, man? Man, you know, last week's card was good, but what we're going to see this weekend, man, I think it's just I think it's just a whole nother level. You know, we, we've been in this pandemic for the last, you know, couple years, and we haven't been able to have, um, you know, crowds like that. And sure, you know, the UFC has had these pay-per-views where they've had crowds and stuff, but it's going to be completely different. Like for the fans who have just came in through this pandemic era, what you're going to see on Saturday is completely different from anything that you've seen up to this point. Um, the, the, the crowds in London, or in England, the, those international crowds, they, like it's just something different. Those fans, man, like when you go to Brazil, when you go to Canada, when you go to these international crowds and stuff, there's just something different. You know, America crowds are great, but there's just something different. You know, every every time the USC has ever went to these international places, man, the crowds are just incredible. And I can't I can't even imagine how it's going to be on Saturday because there's there's so many uh, international fighters on this card. So many fighters with with all this potential. I'm geeked up for this. It's an early start time. I'm sure that you appreciate that. So I'm geeked up for this, man. I don't appreciate it. Not at all. <laughs> I'm pissed that it's in the middle of the day. It's opposite March Madness. Like, give me my 9 and 10 p.m. UFC, please. That's when, like, the kid has been put to bed, the wife's in her bed watching SNL, and I get to watch UFC uninterrupted without any distraction. Like, I hate the afternoon cards. That being said, you are right. This this card is going to be awesome. The atmosphere is going to be incredible. Um, like, to put it into perspective, like, this is for MMA fans over there like this is their Super Bowl in terms of like the once a year where like it's going to go over there and you get to see all your local guys fight right like imagine if we had a fight card in Oklahoma and literally every Oklahoma fighter that was in the UFC was on the fight card so not only do you get to watch this sport that you love but there's legitimately like a geographical rooting interest for you as a fan that's what this is going to be it's going to be incredible like this is an awesome fight card i've heard people say the last two weeks it's this is kind of a funny thing and i'm not like criticizing anybody for saying this it's just funny to me where last week i heard people saying like this is a sneaky good card this week i've heard people saying this is a sneaky good card 
I don't think either one of them are sneaky good. I think they're just good cards, Will. Like, I don't think there's anything sneaky about last week's card or this week's card. I think they're both just good cards. Yeah, I'm with you. These Both of those cards were, were both good cards. And I think it's, it's they call it sneaky good because it kind of snuck up on them. You know, they weren't really paying attention to what was what was to come in, in, the, in the UFC. Yeah. But when I looked at the month of March and I saw all of these fight cards, I'm like, man, there is literally no, like, bad card. Like, yeah. every single one uh, in this month of March is going to be fire. And then this one probably... I mean, 272. You know, the, the in terms of names and everything, there, there was a lot to love on that on that card. But this card uh, on Saturday, man, this might be the best of the bunch. If you take the main events out of last week and 272, just take the main event out of it and everything leading up to the main event. Give me last week. Uh, oh, by a mile. Absolutely, by by a mile. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's just last a week- fight night card, like. Yeah, um, and last week's card, man, there were so many good matchups. Like you, you knew that that card couldn't be boring. You know, there was a, there was some, you know, iffiness on the main event, and it, it was what it was. But you knew those five fights leading up to the main event. Th- there was so much to love, and then the, the prelims delivered too. So yeah, I mean, give me, give me that fight night card over two seventy two, and especially over two seventy. Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, that that card again. Take the just the main event out of each of the cards. That card all the way up to the main event beats two of the three pay per view cards that we've had so far this year. Easy. Yeah. Not, so, not, without even without even blinking, man. Yeah, and it delivered as well. Like the card on its own before the fights delivered on paper. It 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 was better, and then it delivered at the same time. So, uh, yeah, other than the main event, right? There's the major <laughs> disclaimer. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun fight card that I was able to watch from start to finish. And, uh, I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Um, you gained a point overall in the standings. So your lead goes from one to two, two point lead going into this card. Uh, as, uh, you got the Khalil Roundtree over Carl Robertson. I was on the other side of that. So one point for you, my friend, um, do you want to hit the news items first, or do you want to review this thing? I mean, I feel like we're we're on it kind of already, okay. so might as well just, you know. Okay. So the main event, Magomed <laughs> Ankalaev, Tiago Santos, goes the distance, 25 minutes, decision Ankalaev. I mean, I, I, no real big surprises here. Um, I mean, the third just complete dud for Tiago Santos uh, in a main event. And look, part of me is like, he doesn't need to be going five rounds. I think, I don't know if it's like last week, I kind of felt like maybe he's just not elite anymore. Like that was kind of the way I was viewing this. As I watched that fight play out and I watched him a couple times have these flurries, but then after the flurries, like how much it looked like it took out of him, I think I just kind of landed on the dude doesn't need to be in five rounders. Like I think the reason he's not engaging is because he has, he has no gas tank. So he's not going to, he doesn't want to get in a wild fight. Like, and, and what that produces is two guys standing opposite side of each other, fainting for 25 minutes. And, and you don't get a whole lot. I still, he's a dangerous dude. Obviously there's still a lot of power, but I mean, if I'm the UFC and, and you're not, I mean, if you're going to keep Tiago Santos around, 
I just don't think you can put him in five rounders anymore. It, it just you have to be done with that because you've got to make him force the issue, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's uh, and but who's to say even if you put him in three rounders that we won't see the same thing because you saw the fight with the uh, yeah. with the uh, rackage that was three rounds. So I don't know, man. I just think that uh, that savage, that dog that we saw, you know, leading up to his uh, title fight. I think I don't think that's there anymore, man. And I think, you know, I went back and I watched that Glover fight. I think that Glover fight w- was the reason why, because he started out so good, had him hurt. Yeah. I think the the sprint, you know, him sprinting and not being able to get Glover out, uh, and then him being so drained, you know, Glover taking him down, and then Glover eventually, you know, doing what he did. You know, I think that just made him want to fight more strategically and want him to preserve his gas tank. So, and since then, we've seen Tiago Santos try to fight more strategically and try to preserve his gas tank because he's been in main events and he's fighting more skilled guys. But you, like I said last week, man, you, you got to go with what brings you, what brought you to the dance, yeah, man. Like, agreed. no, nobody wants to see Tiago Santos fight strategically. Nobody wants to see him fight. Uh, to preserve his gas tank. We want to see that guy who goes out there, gives it his all, goes out there and sprints. Uh, because that's that's when he's had his best performances, man. And, you know, I know losing the title or losing that title fight to John when he was so close and then losing to Glover, it made him want to go back and try to be more skilled. But that's just not who he is. That's not what he does best. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm all for fighting strategically if it's resulting in giving you a big advantage right? Or if it's resulting in getting you wins, but we're now three fights in a row where it's quote unquote strategic. He's one and two, which I mean, I I guess like nobody felt like somebody won the fight in the Johnny Walker fight. Uh, But you're, you're not only not winning, but you're also not winning and not delivering any sort of performance that anybody wants to see. Like we defend a lot of the quote unquote boring fights all the time on this podcast because, you know, like the wrestling, some people don't like to watch wrestling, don't like to watch grappling, don't like to watch anything that goes to the mat. They only want to see stand-up wars. And even there are stand-up fights that may not result in wars, but you understand why it's happening. This is just one of those, and I, I, I text you this on Saturday night, like where Tiago Santos is right now, for me, is where Tyron Woodley was in his final few fights in the UFC. Like he just reached a point where... It didn't, doesn't seem like he just wants to get into it, right? He's just literally sitting back, waiting for one big shot, and that's it. And not only is the big shot not happening, but it also results in people not enjoying watching what you're putting out there. Like, it's it's not good, man. It's it, I mean, again, a fight is a fight. If it happens on the ground or it happens in the stand-up, so be it. Some people don't like the ground stuff and call that boring, but that's still a fight. This is like not like nothing's happening. You know what I mean? It's it's not good, man. Not good. Right, right. But on, and on top of that, you you have Tiago's opponents who respect his power, who know how how dangerous that he yeah. is. And and instead of like going after him as they should, I mean, they respect his power so much that they're kind of labored back and they're trying they're trying to be strategic because at any point Tiago could explode. But as the viewer, we're watching this and we're like, Tiago's not about to do anything. He's looking for one big shot. Uh, it, all you have to do is kind of, is just kind of press him, you know, yeah. just press him. But, you know, Tiago's just kind of in this ball, kind of like how Tyron was. Uh, I, I agree with you uh, 100%, man. Uh, and 
I don't know if it's already too late for Tiago. It might not be because he did get that win against Johnny Walker, but Tyron waited until it was too late to bring that dog back out of him. And he was in a point where he was at a, in a do or die situation and trying to bring that dog out, you know, resulted in him getting finished. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Tiago still has that in him, but is it too late? I mean, he, he may he may be one or two fights away from being in Tyron's situation, but he needs to change and it needs to change right now. I mean, who's who's going to get excited right now about a a Tiago Santos main event? Anybody? Nah, he, that's one thing they definitely have to do. They can't put Tiago in the main event no. uh, in his next fight. Like, I think people are, are over it. I saw a tweet that said something like, uh, man, we have to stop putting these 205ers in, uh, in main events. <laughs> and I, I was like, man, it's not even the 205ers, man. It's just like, I feel like it's just Tiago's been in a majority of these fight night main events. I think we just have to go away from Tiago being in main events for a while because there's still some really, really fun matchups at 205 that you could put in a fight night main event. But right now, Tiago Santos is, is not it. It hurts my heart, Will. It hurts my heart to see it because I'm I'm a Tiago Santos fan. I found myself on Saturday night once again, just like, come on, come on, like, do something. And you know, he had the flurry in the second round, and uh, that was it. I mean, I scored it forty nine forty six, Uncle Iev. I mean, yeah. I gave Tiago the second round, but that was it. I mean, there was really nothing after that. Uh, and you know, I, I think there was that point late where he did try and push the the issue a little bit. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't for very long, and it looked like it took so much out of him. Right. That yeah, there, that that's when it kind of clicked that maybe he we just need to go to three rounders so he doesn't have to hold back as much, and he can let it go. But even with that, I, I think your point's valid too. Like it, it just might not be there anymore, and that's that's really unfortunate. Um, Uncle Iev, title shot worthy or no? Man, uh, you know, I was thinking about this throughout that whole fight that what you said last week is is so true. Like you really want to say that he's a, a, a main event or a, a, that he's a title challenger worthy. But this fight didn't do that. Like win or lose, like the fight that we saw, it didn't do anything either way. He's still kind of in this gray area. Uh, so. I mean, the potential's there. You would like to say he's going to be a title challenger one day, but uh, as of right now, I, th- I still think there's a there's a gap in between where he is and where the the top of the division is. Yeah, give me. Uh, I mean, when you Jan is still there, Rockic, Uncle I have Anthony Smith. I mean, Dominic Reyes. Um, yeah, I, I one of those guys, right? I mean, I just I, again, I respect the winning streak. I think this guy potentially is good enough to be a world champion but um i've not seen it with like where like with islam for example i'm like okay that guy's going to be a world champion and even though the resume maybe doesn't suggest that he's beaten people to deserve that sort of shot this is one of those where i don't feel like it's as as clear cut in terms of his performances and he doesn't have the resume other than i guess tiago santos now to say that that he he should be there. But I mean, I, I don't know that I also wouldn't say like he doesn't have a great chance to beat whoever the champion is. So uh, it's it's a really interesting dynamic at 205. And and I, I if it were me, I would say there's probably still some work to be done. Absolutely. There's <clears throat> there's for sure still some work to be done. Uh, at least at least one more. Like you see, he's on the cusp. Um, he's got all the potential in the world, but he needs that signature win that makes you say like, OK, um, he deserves to be uh, in this title discussion. 
Yeah. Uh, he just, you know, that Thiago Santos fight, I mean, the name, it looks good on the resume, but people are going to remember the performance. And it wasn't necessarily his fault. Uh, you know, it, it takes two to dance, right? So yeah. uh, his next fight, he's got to fight. He's got to uh, go against somebody who's going to give him uh, that proper opportunity for him to prove that he's worthy of a title shot. Co-main event is Song Yadong finishing Marlon Marais in the first round. This was another one that was tough for me uh, as, again, Marlon Marais, right, he, he decides he's uh, going to get away from everything and, and try and, you know, rebuild this whole deal. And uh, it, I mean, we got the same results, right? First round finish, and it's just kind of like one of those things where you just don't think the guy can absorb shots anymore, right? Yeah, man, it, it's sad what's happened to Marlon, man. It's it's sort of similar to what Tiago's going through, man, because you know they're they're both on the cusp of um, becoming world champions. Like Marlon was legit a few leg kicks away <laughs> uh, from from becoming the bantamweight champion, man. Uh, Henry went and and just came back in that second round and completely changed the dynamic of the fight. And I think that fight just stole Marlon's identity because he has not been the same since. And I think it's sort of the same thing. Like, he, I think he's trying to find, you know, do I blitz? Do I be that guy? Or do I be the strategic guy? Because he's fighting skilled guys. He's fighting people who can finish him. You know, what type of guy does Marlon need to be? Yeah. And I think he he's never been able to find that since the Cejudo fight. Um, he was on a roll. And then he just hasn't found it. And it, it, it's sad to see because, you know, all these guys who he's been fighting, Aldo, uh, Sanhagen, Rob Font, you know, Song Yidong, all of these guys, you know, they're hungry. They know um, they know what their identity is. And Marlon's still trying to find it. And at this point, in my mind, he's lost six in a row. Yeah. And it's it's just sad, man. It's, it's sad to see because he's he's he was so good for so long. And then, you know, just that one fight just changed everything, man. Six in a row, but now it's four straight where he's been finished, right? I mean, yeah, it, that, yeah. that to me, and, and you know, unlike the Tiago point where, I mean, Marlon, all these fights have been fun to watch at least. Like, they've been firefights and he's in the mix and, and it's back and forth. It's just like when he gets hit, that's the end. He's just not absorbing these shots at all. And again, that's that's also not completely on Marlon Marais. I mean, these are killers that he's fighting at the same time, so you got to give those guys credit as well. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely fighting killers. Like this division, like when when Marlon was on his rise, the division was good, but it's not like it is now. Yeah. I mean, this division now is, is crazy stacked, and uh, you know, Marlon's just fighting these these ultra skilled guys who have power, like Corey Sanhagen, like he. Corey Sanhagen knocked him out with a spinning uh, wheel kick or whatever it was. You know, Rob Font uh, was on a roll when he fought Marlon Marais. Uh, Aldo, I mean, uh, who else did he fight? You know, The Marab fight was crazy. Mar the Marab fight, you know. I think that Marab fight was the one where he was like, fuck it, I'm going to go forward and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw all the chips to the table, whatever happens, happens. And he oh, got yeah, so I thought he had him too, after, yeah. He, he almost did, like, refs would have stopped that fight and then some refs would have let it go on it, it, it was just it just depends on who's in there 
But uh, on that night, it was someone who wanted to give Rob a chance. And, uh, you know, when he didn't get it done, I mean, he just he was so gassed after that, man. And you just see, like, that's why Marlon doesn't uh, blitz the way that he used to, because when when he doesn't get the finish, he just it drains him. It takes everything out of him. And then, you know, he gets finished afterwards. So it's just tough, man. It's it's tough to see because Marlon, he's you, you can tell the skill is still there. Yeah. But it's just his ability to take the shots, his gas tank, it's just not there to keep up with some of these more skilled guys. Yeah. Um, I, I, we'll see what happens. He's still in the rankings. He dropped like five spots. I think he's 14 now in that division. Um, I would be surprised if we see him in the UFC again, but uh, I would too. That was the last fight on his deal. I think I believe so. Uh, I would not be surprised if that was it for him. Yeah. Uh, Sadiq Yusuf, Alec Casares, um, Alex Casares, sorry. Um, dude, those leg kicks were brutal, man. Every as they com- continued to pile up, like I was wincing every time uh, Sadiq Yusuf would deliver a leg kick. I mean, just a savage, and and obviously you could tell it was having a major impact. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, you can only take so much, so many of those. Uh, it, it goes to show how tough Alex Caceres is, but. Man, Sadiq with his power in those leg kicks, man. Uh, I was surprised that Alex hung in there for the yeah. for, for the entire fight. Uh, but I think this was a win that he needed, uh, especially, you know, he's trying to put himself in that upper echelon of the division. You have to uh, you have to win these fights and they have to do it in a dominant fashion. I felt like, you know, 30-27 across the board, uh, I, I believe it was. Uh, I didn't really see uh, Alex yeah. really having much for him. So uh, Sadiq, uh, he's still a player in this division. Lost to Arnold Allen, but uh, he's still a player in this division for sure. What uh, What do you want to see next for Yusuf at 145? Because that's another division that, that is just crazy when you looked at the the ranked fighters there. Well, in the press conference, he said uh, he wanted Bryce Mitchell. And I think when you look at it uh, – when you look at where they both are, um, they're kind of in the same spot right now. Um, they want to get to that upper echelon of the division. And like they're kind of not prospects, but they're kind of just like in the middle there, both of those guys. So yeah. I feel like you can put those those two perhaps in a fight night main event or a co-main event or something. I feel like that would be a really, really interesting fight. Yeah, Bryce Mitchell's starting to, I think, kind of gain that traction where his star power now is, I think, be- becoming something that you have to consider in terms of his matchmaking. And I- I'm with you. I like that fight. I-, I, My question from the UFC's perspective would be, do they want to give Bryce Mitchell Yusuf or do they want to capitalize more, I think, on his like growing fan base with a with a bigger name, bigger draw type thing? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he did get somebody uh, more towards the top. But who's go- but who is going to accept yeah. a fight against Bryce <laughs> Mitchell? No, no one's calling him out. Like Sadiq Youssef is like one of the only guys that you'll find that's like, hey, I want to fight Bryce Mitchell. A lot of these guys who are so close to to being in title contention or having a title fight or whatever the case is, they're not gonna go look down the rankings and be like, oh. I want to fight Bryce Mitchell, who is probably the worst matchup in this whole division yeah. for me. So 
I mean, if 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 Sadiq is calling him out, I feel like that's an easy fight to make. But in terms of the UFC and trying to find someone ranked ahead of him, I think it's going to be really tough. Yeah. No, that's uh, I agree. I, we talked about that last week, right? I mean, there's just right. there's not a bunch of people in. I mean, it's the same thing with Marab and and Aljo, even maybe to a lesser degree, but especially like Marab can't find a fight at 135. Bryce Mitchell can't fight a fight at, at 145 because they're just stylistically uh, unlike pretty much everybody in in their divisions. Um, Khalil Roundtree over Carl Roberson. Will this is where you got your point? Um, I mean, devastating power. Man, uh, how I expected this fight to go, it kind of went. Um, maybe not the the entire finish because I don't think anybody was expecting Khalil to finish him like that. But man, you know, when they stepped into the octagon, Khalil just looked sixty pounds heavier than yeah. him. Like Khalil looked like a heavyweight, and Carl Robinson looked like a a middleweight that didn't cut weight. I mean, the way that Khalil was stalking him, I just was like, yeah. This doesn't look good. Like Khalil had a different look in his eyes. And, you know, you could tell after he won and he said everything that he said in the in the post fight interview and stuff. You know, he's he was fighting for something bigger than himself. And I feel like that's something that he needed. You know, someone who has been, you know, inconsistent uh, throughout his career. But you see the potential. He's he fought that fight like he meant it, like he has something bigger to fight for. And it was good to see. Uh, him get a win like that and then for him to say everything that he said man uh because you know there's 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 legit people who deal with you know not feeling like they're enough you know not feeling like um not knowing what they want to do with their lives you know yeah you never know khalil could have motivated somebody who is overweight to you know get out and just you know give give it a try you know uh many people are just comfortable sitting at home you know, doing whatever just because it's it's comfortable. But, you know, that speech by Khalil, it could have motivated somebody. And, you know, that's what that's what he said it for. So I'm happy for him. I just want to know what was the switch uh, that was turned on to start round two? Because when that fight started, I kind of felt like what we saw in round two, if I if that when that fight started, I thought that's what we were going to see. I was like, oh, man, like. If he yeah. just turns it on, this is probably over quickly, and it, it didn't really happen. And then round two, like somebody pushed the right button, and uh, it was like the Hulk came out, and <laughs> good Lord. Yeah, you know, I did feel like Carl was landing some some good shots uh, early. Um, maybe, you know, Khalil was trying to figure out, like, how he was going to fight him, how he, how he was going to move and stuff. Uh, maybe it just took him a while to really, you know, get his timing down and stuff. But, you know, once he got it down, yeah. uh, he definitely just went after him and was like, all right, I see what he's going to do. I see his shots aren't going to hurt me. Uh, I'm ready to take this guy out. And once that switch flipped, like he said, it, you know, it was a wrap. Drew Dober, Terrence McKinney. I know we were both really excited uh, about this fight. This was, um, I mean, one of my favorite fights on this entire card. Uh, Drew Dober um, recently was ranked in the top 15 at 155. Terrence McKinney is a rising star. McKinney comes out like we've seen him in, in several occasions now with this devastating flurry. Has Drew Dober hurt? But then, like, I mean... Will, it was so wild to watch the output as, as he's trying to get Drew Dober out. Nothing left in the gas tank, and then Drew Dober's able to to put Terrence McKinney away. A um, couple things. Number one, I think this speaks to 
Uh, Drew Dober's a tough dude, man. He's just a tough out oh, yeah. anyway. Uh, so anybody that was taking him lightly, um, you're bad on that. Um, I don't, this doesn't change my opinion about Terrence McKinney either though. Like I still, everything that I thought about Terrence McKinney last week, I still think this is just one of those cases of number one, him being really inexperienced, but also fighting that level of competition. You're not going to just empty the gas tank that way to try and get that level of competition out. It's something he'll learn from. It's something that Drew Dober fighting big time level of competition is also, you know, a smarter fighter in that regard. Um, I, I really enjoyed this fight for as long as it lasted. And once again, I, I look at both guys and, uh, say, I mean, thumbs up across the board. Terrence McKinney is still a bright star at 155 and is still going to have some big moments in the UFC and, uh, you know, all the credit in the world to Drew Dober to survive that and, and still be able to get the finish on, on his part. Yeah. You know, for, for Terrence to take this fight on short notice, um, you know, you did kind of get the feeling that maybe. Uh, Terrence would come in, you know, trying to finish this fight early because, you know, as the fight would go on, it would favor Drew Dober probably. But man, you know, when he landed, though, when he landed that knee, I mean, it, that was just so crazy because I wasn't expecting that to happen so, so fast. Uh, I thought I thought it was about to be over, man. I did too. Uh, and I, I'm sure Terrence did because the way he uh, went after him, man, uh but it just goes to show how tough Drew Dober is. It, it goes to show why he was ranked at some point. Um, he's been in some really fun fights, you know, against yeah. Brad Riddell. And, you know, uh, you know, of course, he, he lost to Islam. But we know, like, Drew Dober is a tough, tough out for sure. Uh, Terrence almost got him out of there. And Terrence, this is his third UFC fight. Uh, I don't think that his last fight didn't make it out the first round. I believe it didn't. No. But... I mean, his very first fight only lasted seven seconds. Yeah. So I'm sure there was a little bit of confidence there that, you know, maybe he could get this fight uh, over with early, you know, but w once he didn't and once Drew was still there, you know, I'm sure that was a shock to him and a shock to a lot of us. Uh, after a while, you know, Terrence, his shots were so fast and stuff. And then you could, you could just kind of see the meter dropping and the shots was getting sloppy and slow. And then uh, Drew just landed that knee. It just seemed like it was over just like that, man. Uh, but, you know, like you said, Terrence didn't lose any stock with me, didn't let, lose any stock with anybody. He almost won that fight. And, you know, this is he's still young in his career. Uh, this is something that he's only going to learn from. So I'm still very, very excited for what we can see in the future from Terrence McKinney. But this was just uh, this was a, a, a big step up for him. Yeah. Props to him for even taking it because most guys wouldn't. Uh, big step up for him. He's only going to learn from this and he's only going to be better for it. Short notice, major step up in terms of competition. And again, he, he hurts him. And I thought the finish was coming just like you did. And then literally, like, Terrence got so excited that it, it got chaotic, right? And I was like, yeah. I, like, I literally was like, bro, calm down. Like, I'm <laughs> saying, like, whoa, this is getting too wild. Like, it kind of reminded me. Remember um, how wild Aljo was in the Aljo Yawn fight in that first yeah. round where it was just like yeah. so frantic and then Aljo had nothing left. Like he, it was like he just emptied the gas tank just because he was like so excited. And that's what this reminded me of. Like he hurt Dober and if he just stays poised, he probably does finish him. But he got so excited to get the finish that it was just like all over the place. I'm like, oh, like I felt tired. 
watching <laughs> that that chaos ensue and it was fast and furious and wild and then like then you could tell like they're uh oh now the gas tank's empty and Drew Dober's still here and uh then Drew Dober gets the finish. But yeah, it was it, he obviously has incredible ability. Yeah, you know, I think that just goes to show like that's what happens when you're young in this game and you have like two quick finishes the way that he does that he did. Uh, and you go into this third fight, you have him, you have him hurt, and you think like, oh, this is gonna be another quick night in the office. Let me go finish this dude real quick. Uh, you know who? Because everybody in the UFC loves a quick night in the office for sure. Yeah. And for him being so young in the game, uh, mistakes like this will happen. And but I think it's good that this happened so early. And now he knows, like, this This is what could happen to me if I, if I, you know, overexert myself trying to finish the fight. You know, let me land a big shot and let me make sure that, you know, he's either hurt where I can finish him or, you know, let me step back and just, you know, uh, pick pick my shots. Because uh, the potential's there, man. Yeah. Like, I, I've seen enough. Like, we, we saw, we said last week, like, he's got that it factor. Yeah. Like, he still has the it factor, even with this loss. Yeah, of course he does. It's there. It's it's completely there. It's clear as day. Uh, this this was just a slip up. I mean, I still I'm still very excited about his future. Yeah, and and for Drew Dober again, like the guy's always in entertaining fights. Uh, he is uh, not a pushover at all. I mean, you mentioned that Brad Riddell fight was awesome. So yeah. uh, you know, give Drew Dober another opportunity at a at a rank guy as well. Um, it's a very rare he- thing. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say he called out Bobby Green. I mean, I would love to see oh, that fight. Oh uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I forgot about that. That would be an awesome fight. Awesome, like put you, you can make that Main five event. rounds, three rounds. Yeah, like it. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. That's going to be a scrap, and I would love to see that fight. I would be totally happy to see a fight night card main evented by Bobby Green and Drew Dober. Absolutely. Sign me up. Sign me up. It is a rare thing that the opening fight on a main card in the UFC is the fight that I want to see the most of any fight on the entire card. It's happened now twice in the last year. Gaethje Chandler was one of them. And that's for, you know, other reasons why it was the the first fight of the night. But, um, Alex Pajeda and Bruno Silva will, this was the one that, I mean, if I could only watch one fight on this card, this was it. It was the fight of the night. It was awesome. It delivered two phenoms in the middleweight division. Like I was, you know, Maximus in Gladiator, are you not entertained? Like, I was absolutely entertained. This fight had the most hype for me going into it, and I walked away at the end of the night saying that was the best fight all night. Yeah, man. Uh, Alex Pajeda, man, I, I swear, every time I see him, I'm like, God, that dude is large. That that dude is huge for this division. I mean, he looks, they say he's 6'4", but I swear, in the cage, he looks like he's at least 6'6". Uh, yeah, I you know I'm very impressed by him. Uh, he's still young in this MMA game, but of course you can see the potential. You saw the same type of thing with Izzy. I think the only thing that I would say with Alex, like in this fight, I don't think he managed distance that well, and he holds his he holds his chin up and he kind of fights with his hands down. Uh, where Izzy kind of knows how to manage the distance, keeps his hands out, knows how to use his range and stuff. I still I feel like. Alex is still figuring that out. Fighting a guy like Bruno Silva, I think this is only going to help him in his future fights. Uh, but he did win this 30-27. Uh, 
he landed some some big shots and he took some big shots. So we know that he can take it and we know that he, that he can dish it out. So I think this told us a lot about uh, about uh, Alex Pajeda. Uh Bruno Silva was tough, but I, Alex did, went out there, did what he had to do, got the win. I was very impressed by him. It was an awesome fight. Uh, Bruno Silva, I didn't feel like was out of it any at any point. Uh, maybe towards the end when he got rocked, but uh, throughout that whole fight, man, it was a fun fight. Uh, definitely uh, what a guy like Alex Pajeda needed. Alex Pajeda is a guy that I think is going to you know f- contend for a a title shot uh, in the very near future. Bruno Silva is also, I mean, a little bit like the Terrence McKinney conversation we just had. Like, I don't take anything away from Bruno Silva either. Like, I think this guy is also somebody to pay attention to going forward and a guy that that could uh, make waves in this division. Uh, Bruno Silva hit him with some big shots, and that was probably the thing. While we can criticize the distance management, I, at least we got to see his chin tested and right. Bruno Silva is not a, I mean, not just tapping you. Bruno Silva puts people away and he hit Alex Pajeda multiple times with big shots. And uh, not only did, did Alex take them all, Will, but he never even showed a sign of like them having any impact, right? Like, it, I mean, it was just great game face for him in that regard. Uh, and he delivered big shots. You know, he's got, I think he'll get it figured out. The more time he's in the octagon, I think he'll get all of the distance management and everything figured out because I think he's still kind of balancing that part of it out with also having to be aware of the takedown potential. And again, when we did see that part of it, he, he I thought he passed once again with flying colors. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a level of being comfortable with being in the octagon and knowing that there's that other element to it that you have to account for. But um, the dude's a savage. Both those guys are savages. Both those guys were awesome. And, I mean, it just speaks to the level I think that Alex Bahada's at. But I can't I can't wait to see what's next. Um, I think I tweeted, like, fast track on Saturday night. Like, let's move him up. I'm in. You know, I was thinking about this, uh, about this fight, um, about this matchup a while ago. Uh, so fast track him, right? Uh, like, you know, like if he, if he fights, if he can get to Izzy, you know, whatever that looks like, you got to fast track him. Uh, this fight with Bruno Silva was great. You know, when you look at the rankings and stuff, you know, I mean, a lot of these matchups are good stylistic matchups for him. But I think if the UFC really wanted to to really fast track him, he called out Cannoneer. I don't think he gets that. I think Izzy and Cannoneer are going to fight for the title. I think it was announced uh, today or maybe yesterday in June. Izzy and Cannoneer? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. See, uh, so that fight's happening, so Cannoneer's off the table. What I would do, you know, I think Alex Bejeda should fight Derek Brunson in his retirement fight. I think, you know, Derek Brunson probably was, is going to want like a guy like a Jack Hermanson or something. But, you know, he ca- he said to the UFC, like, I'm going to retire uh, in two fights or whatever. I feel like the UFC is going to be like, all right, you want to retire? Here's Alex Pajeda on your way out. I would not be surprised to see that fight next. Uh, I was thinking Sean Strickland. Ooh. How great would that fight be? Oh, my gosh. I couldn't, boy. You know what? Forget what I said about Brunson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm all in on that fight. I didn't even, I forgot about Sean Strickland, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, I would love to see that fight. Oh, my gosh. That fight would be insane. It would be an awesome fight anyway, but then, I, I mean, the winner of that is, uh, I mean, you, you've just produced your next number one contender, right? Absolutely. Uh, 100%, because Sean Strickland is basically there. Uh, you you kind of, I don't, I guess he needs one more win, but uh, then he's like, against who? You know, Vittori's fighting Whitaker now, so Vittori's out the, out the equation. Right. Um, I think, you know, Paolo Costa's out there, but like, who is he, like, is he actually going to fight? I thought, it, I thought know, been, Dana said Paolo had to go up to 205. Yeah, but uh, Paolo said in like an interview that he wants, that he's recommitted to going down to 185 and stuff, so um, him and Luke Rockhold have been going back and forth. So I think that fight might be getting lined up. Darren Till is like, you know, training with with Hamzat and stuff. So he's out of the picture. I feel like it makes a lot of sense. You know, Brunson just got beat by Cannoneer. Who knows what's next for him? Pajeda and Sean Strickland, man. I feel like that fight yeah. really would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I'm sure that they won't move him up that quickly. Uh, it's probably, I, I mean, I don't know what, uh, like, Brad Tavares has in front of him or what, like, Uriah Hall has in front of him. Those, stylistically, I think, would be uh, pretty good matchups as well, and that's probably the more realistic uh, options in terms of what's next for him. But, uh, yeah, sh- sign me up for uh, Sean Strickland, and let's fast-track this dude. Yeah, if you really want to fast-track him, I mean, I, we don't really need to see Uriah Hall and uh, and Alex Pajeda. It would be fun. Yeah. But we don't really see that. We know uh, Alex Pajeda would probably end up winning that. We don't really need to see Alex Pajeda fight. Uh, who's the other guy? Said Brad Tavares. Like, right. We don't really need to see that. Um, it would be it would be great. Like those fights would be fun. Yeah. You know, Izzy fought a lot of guys on his way up to being a um, to being a title contender. But you know Alex Pajeda. Like when you see, when you have a matchup like this, and it's and it's so clear as day that this guy is is a problem for Izzy. Like, you really want to fast-track him. So I would not be surprised, man. And part of it is also, I mean, it's the Yuri Prohaska thing as well, right? Where, like, this guy isn't some young prospect that we don't really know anything about and is just trying to establish himself. Like, this is a legend in combat sports. His resume in kickboxing speaks for itself. So... You know, he's not some unknown entering the sport. Like, I think you have, because it's MMA and there's other levels to it, like, there has to be some sort of, like, groundwork laid before you just immediately go there. But I don't think he's on the same path that we would hold most to. He's not, we don't have to hold him to the same standard that we would hold most people to. Just like Yuri Prohaska, very established mixed martial artist entering the UFC. And he, what has he fought, twice? And now he's getting a title shot? In the U.S. Right. two, yeah. yeah, I mean, like Yuri Prohaska didn't come in here with like three fights ever. Like the guy had fought a ton outside the UFC. He's a known quantity. Michael Chandler's is another example of this. Where I mean, Michael Chandler didn't enter the UFC as some guy that just you know we didn't really know anything about. Like we've seen him fight a bunch, and that's why it didn't take him a lot to have the big opportunities. I, at least for me, that's kind of where I am with with Alex Pajeda as well. Yeah, I think the I think you're right. You're spot on. I think the only difference is Michael Chandler and Yuri Prohaska. Both of those guys fought many fights in, in, in MMA, MMA before yeah. they got before they got to the UFC. I think with Izzy and Alex Pajeda, like they're coming from kickboxing and they didn't really have many. Like I think Pajeda only had like one MMA fight before he made his UFC debut. So you have to 
instead of like Prohaska and Michael Chandler fighting ranked guys right off the bat, you have to kind of let them get their feet wet against some of these guys who are towards the bottom. And then once you see like, oh, this guy's got something, yeah. then you, you you move them up. Um, but I think regardless, I think, you know, Axe Mahedis fought uh, that first guy that he fought. That was a good warm up fight. Yeah. Michaelitis, that was a good warm up fight. Uh, he did what he had to do. Knockout. Bruno Silva was a was a big jump. Uh, Bruno Silva is a guy who who could be ranked, but um, he was on a winning streak. Finishes guys. The stylistic matchup was fun. Now I think you you have to put him. If you're not going to put him up against someone who's in like the top five, top six, you at least have to give him somebody who's ranked. Yeah. Uh, I think he's earned that up to this point. As far as the prelims, I mean, I could probably talk about every one of these, but I'll I'll just uh, be brief, and then you can give me your thoughts. Uh, Simmelsberger, AJ Fletcher as the feature prelim was a, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, really good fight there. Um, death taxes and bantamweights is what I decided <laughs> is my new phrase. Uh, Javid Basharat, another name to put on that uh, list of bantamweights to keep an eye out. Uh, to make a run. He looked uh, pretty nice. How about uh, Damon Jackson, who's from Oklahoma, getting the win at 145? Your girl Miranda Maverick looked as good as ever, I thought. Yeah, man. Uh, this was a fight that she needed to make a statement, man. You know, those those losses against Macy Barber, a fight that I thought she won, and then Aaron Blanchfield had, had her way with her. I think this was a fight that she really needed to go out there and make a statement that she still... Uh, a prospect in this division, uh, but these these prelims were fun. You know, even uh, you start out you start out with like five finishes, and then like the even the ones that went to decision were still fun. Like uh, Simmelsberger Fletcher were, yeah. was fun. Um, how about uh, Chris Mutino? <laughs> that poor guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like the stoppage, the early stoppage, because you know we know how tough the guy is. It, it probably would have been similar to the O'Malley fight, just him taking so much damage, but him yeah. not going down. I'm glad that it was stopped. And then the very first fight, uh, oh. uh, yeah. how do you say this guy's last name? Uh, Merzikhanov. Yeah. Merzikhanov and, 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 uh, and Chukwe, right? Yeah. So, and Chukwe was, was, ha- I think he was on his way to a win. Yeah. And then he, I don't know if he let his foot off the gas or he just got, uh, lackadaisical or what, but, um, Definitely took his foot off the gas and then just ended up getting finished, man. That knee was was crazy. Uh, props to him, man. But this fight, this fight card from top to bottom, man, it was fun. Uh, of course, Ankalev and Santos was what it was. But uh, overall, it was a fun night of fights. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, before we move on to um, Saturday's card, a couple quick items. Did you see the Pewter Yawn news today? No. Apparently, visa issues for his entire camp, uh, oh. and and uh, he's like, I, I guess there's like even conversations that maybe Habib is going to be in his corner uh, when that fight takes place. He's gonna apparently he there's no issue with him, um, so it sounds okay. like he's free and clear uh, for that fight to take place. But essentially, everybody in his corner um, having issues and and probably not going to make the trip. So. Uh, I, I immediately read that and I was like, this fight's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I was legit about to say, oh, yeah, this fight's not going to happen, but at least he's good. Um, I think he's, uh, skilled enough to, uh, I'm not going to say go at it alone, but you know, if, if Habib is in his corner, 
I'm sure they could they could build a good rapport um, from now until fight day. Uh, for for Habib, you know, Habib's been coaching these guys for the last few years. Habib's a good enough coach. Uh, he's a former champion, so like he knows, you know, what what to do in these situations. He knows he's gonna know what to say uh, to Peter Yan in these situations. So I hope that this fight happens um, because we don't need this division to be held up anymore. No doubt. Uh, uh, let's get these guys in the octagon, whatever it takes. If it's Habib that to be in his corner or what, because you know Habib's got a whole coaching staff with him. So uh, if I'm Peter Yan, I'm going to Habib, letting him be in my corner and making this fight happen by any means necessary. Yeah. Um, have you seen the Kevin Holland news? Absolutely. I definitely did see that. <laughs> Kevin Holland for the second time man. is a crime stopper. Man, how, man, this guy's life is a movie. <laughs> how, how, I don't get it, man. Like, how are you just in a random restaurant and then a guy decides to come in with a gun and want to shoot up a sushi restaurant that you're in. Yeah. That you just happen to be in. Like it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It, it is insane that this guy just happens to be in places where he can just stop crimes. Like yeah. it, it's, it's crazy. The real life Batman, Kevin Holland. We're, we're changing the name from trailblazer to Batman, <laughs> Kevin, Batman, Holland. Absolutely. Like, and this, these are things that happened in the span of a few months. Yeah. Like, yeah. These are, these are like, this is something that could only happen to someone in like once in a lifetime, but this has happened to Kevin Holland twice in the span of a couple months. Yeah, like, like, where it, are you hanging crazy. out, dude? <laughs> yeah. Where are you hanging out? And how out, about man? the gunman that decided I'm going to go shoot up a sushi restaurant and you just choose the one that happens to have a UFC fighter in it? Man. Kevin Holland choked this guy out, and I'm sure he's kind of he woke up thinking like, "Why the fuck did I do this?" Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. By the way, I don't, Why? I don't know if we talked about it or not. I, maybe we did, but you know, Kevin Holland was getting trolled, and so he he on on online, and he told the online troll to show up, and he would fight him in the octagon, and and Kevin Holland yeah. submits him. Well, I don't know if you saw this, but a couple weeks ago he said that that has backfired. Because now, like the trolls are have grown because everybody wants to go get a piece of Kevin Holland and get get uh, submit, just have their opportunity. Hilarious, Man, hilarious. I don't, I don't understand these guys. Like, okay, I, I get it. You know, you watch Kevin Holland, and in his past, like three fights, he's getting taken down over and over and over again. But these aren't just like your regular Joe Schmo off the street that he's getting taken down by. This is Derek Brunson, who is a, a very established wrestler. Um, uh, who else did Kevin Holland World fight? class like, grapplers, Vittori. Well, Vittori, world class grapplers. Like these are guys who know that they have to take him down. These are guys who are big, who are like on fight day. They're like probably two hundred and fifteen pounds. These guys that that are trolling Kevin Holland, these guys are are nothing. Like okay, one guy said I, I'll land uh, like a takedown at least or whatever. So Kevin Holland, I'm sure he, Kevin Holland's like, all right, man, like I'm tired of y'all like like disrespecting my name. Like, all right, sh come show me. And it, I, I give kudos to the guy who actually went out there and I actually gave it a shot. But if if it's me, I'm like, bro, I respect you way too much to even 
for those words to even come out of my mouth, man. Yeah. Like, come on. These guys, like, you have to be smarter than that. Like, Kevin Holland is a professional. He is a professional, man. Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Holland fan over here, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. If you if you weren't a Kevin Holland fan before this, like just by his fighting style, right? You have to be one now for him uh, stopping crimes and stuff, man. Like, yeah, the guy could do it all. Yeah. Um, last thing before we make our picks, uh, and I do have a suggestion for this card um, before we do that. But did you see the Patty Pimblet uh, Ilya Tapuria uh, skirmish? I mean, is that a fair way to what? What? How would you describe that? Um, yeah, I think skirmish is the best word for it. Um, did you hear the, the backstory to this? I, I didn't hear in detail the backstory, but I got the gist of it. So if you want to share. So basically this wasn't something that happened, um, uh, just in passing. This was something that was brewing over time. Uh, Patty Pimlet and Taporia got into like a, some Twitter, uh, some Twitter war and Patty Pimlet brought up how, um, the Russians, uh, basically you know dominated the georgians uh back in 2008 and you know Taporia, uh he, he's basically said you know i had a fan or uh friends and family who uh, really suffered during that time you know you talk about uh my country you know i'm gonna i'm gonna mess you up whenever i see you so i guess uh patty and and him two different stories right so uh patty says that uh Taporia was giving him the eye and uh, Patty was like, well, what do you want to do? And then, you know, Taporia tried to throw, tried to throw a shot at him and Patty threw a hand sanitizer bottle at his, at his face. That's Patty's side of the story. Yeah. Taporia says that he went up to him and Patty tried to shake his hand and then Taporia threw the bottle at him first and then, uh, Patty threw it back at him. So it's just, you know, two different stories, you know, you can believe what you want. The video kind of speaks for itself. Um, but, you know, both, you know, Taporia says he wants to fight him next. You know, I don't know what's going to happen after this, but, man, that it, it was definitely crazy to see. I'm just like, there's always some shit happening in London, you know, with Leon Edwards and Masvidal three years ago, and now <laughs> yes. there's this. There's like, there's always some shit going down over there. Sign me up for uh, Taporia Pimblet, by the way. I don't know. I Like, Taporia fights at 145, and Patty fights at 155, so... I don't know if we need to do a catch weight, although I guess Taporia's fighting at 155 for this card. But uh, yeah, sign me up. I'm in. That'd be an awesome fight. Yeah, so, yeah I feel like that fight could happen because uh, Taporia says that, you know, he can't consistently make 145 and he wants to be active. He took this fight because uh, the weight cut's not as bad, obviously, at lightweight. So he wants to be active. So he says that he's going to take some lightweight fights just to be active. So. If lightweight's in the equation now, this is a fight that definitely could happen. Tapori's a dude too, man. Yeah, yeah, he's a problem, man. Yeah, he's definitely a problem at one at one forty five. It'll be very interesting to see how he fights uh, at one fifty five, especially with a uh, size discrepancy. But we'll see. Yeah. Okay, so this fight card is a six fight main card, but not included in those six fights. Will is two ranked. Light heavyweights with Nikita Krylov and Paul Craig. Do you want to throw that into the equation as well? Man, you know, this card uh, went through some reshuffling, right? So yes. this fight was originally on the main card. And I was so 
torn on who I wanted to pick in this one. I'm like, fuck, I don't know. So when I saw that this fight was moved to the prelims, I was like, yes. But I had a feeling that you <laughs> would want to bet on this fight. I mean, it's too good not to. So, I yeah. mean, I say let's do it. Let's okay. go ahead. Okay. Uh, so we will start there. This is um, not even the feature prelim, which is crazy to me. Uh, but Nikita Krylov and Paul Craig at light heavyweight number, I believe it's 11 and 12, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, Krylov is 9, Paul Craig is 11. So there you go. I mean, one spot away from having a top 10 light heavyweight matchup. And it's not even on the main card of a fight night card. Uh, which uh, I don't know if that's disrespectful or just speaks to the level of this fight card in general. But uh, whatever the case is, oddshark.com gives us, as I scroll to find the odds for this fight, Nikita Krylov is the minus 165 favorite, plus 135 for Paul Craig. Yeah, so I've been so, I was so torn on this fight. Uh literally going back and forth thinking of scenarios in this fight man um i think krilov is is really underrated like you'll you'll see some of these guys that he's fought you know of course he's not you know the the big time name or anything but when it, in terms of skill uh he's he's up there with with the best of them but he's had some slip ups he's lost to uh some really talented guys like He's lost to uh, he's got losses to Magomed Akalayev, Glover Teixeira, and Jan Blahovitz. Yeah. Literally the guys at the top yeah. of the division. And then you know Paul Craig literally just fucked up Jamal Hill. Let's call it what it is. He 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 messed up Jamal Hill, and we saw how good Jamal Hill has looked since then. So when I look at this fight, like I'm going back and forth, like I I don't know who to pick. But if you really made me put like some money on this, I'm on, I'm gonna go with with Paul Craig only because I feel like he has more ways to win, okay. and I feel I feel like Paul Craig can hold his own on the feet and on the ground. He's obviously a problem, um, but but Nikita Krylov is. Very, very skilled. I would not be surprised to see him win. I'm going to go with Paul Craig. Okay. Um, I was excited for two reasons. A, because I thought this deserved to be picked. Um, and B, because I thought you would go Krelov as well. Uh, and I'm going Paul Craig also. Um, I, I just think that uh, there's there's an area here where I feel like there's a, a pretty decisive advantage. And in terms of where there's an advantage of any significance in any one area, to me, that's the only spot that I see it. And uh, give me Paul yeah. Craig also. I think the only reason, this is a really good fight. I think the only reason yeah. why this fight isn't on the main card is because they're trying to feature more of the international fighters who are from London, obviously. Yeah. I don't think, I think Krilov is Canadian maybe, and I think uh, Paul Craig, forget where he's from, but not from London, so I think that's the only reason why they reshuffled this card, and uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, the fighters who are on the main card. But yeah, yeah this fight is going to be fun. It's on the prelim, so I mean, that's going to make me just want to watch these, these this uh, prelim portion even more. Yeah, well, you mentioned this card being shuffled. Like OddShark.com doesn't even have the fights in the right order 
Uh, I mean, they, they've got it all mixed up as well. So I don't I don't think they've even like adjusted how much this thing has been shuffled. That's why I couldn't find the odds on on that fight. So uh, there you go. All right. So the main card itself, again, six fights on this main card. The main card begins at lightweight. And is it Jay or Jai? I, I I'm never sure. I feel like I always call it the wrong way on that one. Uh, either way, though, Jay, Jai Herbert, uh, one way or the other. It's J-A-I, and so I feel like I've heard it Jai, but maybe I'm crazy. Uh, Ilya Taporia, who we just spoke about, who is, uh, I mean, I think he's ranked in uh, in the featherweight division, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's 15 in the featherweight division. He's fighting at lightweight here. Oddshark.com has, as I scroll, because they don't have them in order. <laughs> Uh, Taporia minus 400 plus 290 for Herbert. Man, uh, I believe it's Jai Herbert for the record. Okay. I, I, I think I've heard um, that it's Jai Herbert, but I would not be surprised if it's Jay, but I, th- I believe it's Jai. But in terms of this fight, man, um, I mean, the only thing that really makes me um, wonder about this fight is the size difference. And, and how Taporia handles uh, the size discrepancy. I think Jai Herbert's um, 6'1 or 6'2, and Taporia's like 5'7. But I think, in terms of everything else, in terms of the skill and all that stuff, uh, I really like uh, Taporia here. And I think uh, with him not having to cut that uh, extra 10 pounds, I think that's only going to help his performance. And uh, so I think that. Um, Man, you know, Herbert's going to have the, the crowd on his side and Taporia's going to get massively booed, especially oh, yeah. after, after, after what happened with Patty. Yep. <laughs> he was going to get booed anyway, but now it's going to be even more crazy. So that's another layer to this, but uh, I think uh, Taporia's going to get this done. Give me El Matador, Ilya Taporia, and I hope he has a um, uh, Al Iaquinta moment after the fight. <laughs> In his uh, oh, in his that would po- be incredible in his post fight opportunity to talk into the microphone. Um, yeah, to me this is just a like I just think his skills are big time. Uh, oh, yeah. In in the the brief amount of times that that I've seen him, um, I mean every time I just you just see the skill level there at, at a really high level. Um, was it Ryan Hall? Last time that, that he fought, uh, and Ryan Hall kept yeah. like going down to the ground trying to get him. And that one time, like Taporia just caught him. I mean, he is—he's uh, fun to watch. I'm excited to see what he looks like at 155, though. Uh, to your point there, but yeah, I, I just think there's a the skill level for me is is too much to overcome. I definitely agree. Uh, I, I hate to, to interrupt what we're doing, but can I break some news to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, we have got a co-main event for UFC 274, which is the Gaethje and uh, Oliveira main event card. Our co-main event is Thug Rose Namajunas defending the strawweight title against Carlos Sparza. Oh, yes. Yes. I love that fight. We have Michael Chandler and uh, Tony Ferguson on that card as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh... I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I know that Prohaska and Glover are supposed to be on the card. I'm I'm equally as excited for Rose and Carla. Yes, man. agreed. Yeah, that I think uh, that's shaping up to be a uh, 
have a, a little get together type of card for me. So, I mean, uh, anytime Gaethje's fighting on a pay per view, I feel <laughs> like that's that's the case. Yes, and and, and I, I'm sure you know, though, you know, Chandler Ferguson war. Gaethje uh, Oliveira War. I do think that Rose and Carla, uh, with their styles and the history, that's got all the makings of a war also. So yeah. sign me up, man. Yeah. All right. We have uh, women's flyweights, Molly McCann and Luana Carolina. Oddshark.com has... <laughs> these things are, all, these things are all over the place, man. Yeah, this was one of the fights that was on the prelims that got yeah, moved to the main yeah. card. Uh, <laughs> this, this is one of the moments that I wish we were doing video, but oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave this in the recording and people can hear this. So last week during the podcast, my son like walks in and literally like puts his fingers in front of my face to get my attention. And we like died laughing and I ended up cutting it out and everything. Um he just literally walked in here and did the same like literally walks right up to my face and puts his hands in my face to get my attention and uh we both just lost it. So oh, oh. <laughs> so funny it's little man with the cameo man <laughs> little man with the cameo on the podcast so funny uh, yeah. last week was hilarious but this this one was definitely funnier because he just comes in and just does the exact out same of nowhere thing. Like, yeah it's like yeah. bro what are you doing what is this yeah <laughs> by the way every day that i've done the radio show this week will uh as i start it he because he's on spring break so uh, every day that i've done the radio show this week he walks in and he's like, I want to talk to Will. And I'm like, no, I'm doing the radio right now. The podcast is later in the week. But every day, yeah, he's like, I want to talk to Will. And I'm like, no, this is this is the radio show, not the podcast. So, yeah. You have a fan, yeah. I think. Yeah, man. Me and Little Man got a great relationship, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, God. That was okay. hilarious. All right. So, uh, Where are we at? Where are we Carolina at? is a minus 125 favorite, plus 100 for Molly McCann. Man, you know, um, the reason why this fight was moved up is because Molly McCann is the first um, British woman to to fight on the main card. So I, I felt like the UFC, with this being in London and stuff, the UFC wanted to feature Molly McCann. And, uh, you know, I was pretty conflicted on this fight. But, you know, listening to Molly McCann speak and how genuine and humble that she is, I became a fan of her, man. I'm, I'm, I, I definitely became a fan of her. Just listening to her, um, she back. She's gonna back it up in the in the fight, man. Uh, in terms of just you know being a warrior, being tough. Um, she's got a tough fight with uh, with Carolina, though. Uh, it's gonna be tough, but I'm you know I think with the crowd and everything backing her, I think this is gonna be a Molly McCann win, man. Give me the underdog as well, Molly Meatball McCann. Uh, I'm with you, man. I kind of felt like uh, hearing her talk at the at the press uh, availability. Uh, there just kind of seemed to be like this this like understanding of the moment, and like I just I just got a vibe from her, right? Like sometimes it's just a vibe, and and uh, 
I, I got the vibe from Molly McCann that uh, she recognizes the opportunity here, and uh, I think she capitalizes. So it is Molly McCann for me. We are two for two on the main card, which takes us to the welterweight division. And for the first time in three years, Will, we have Gunnar Nelson versus Takashi Sato. Oddshark.com has... Gunnar Nelson at minus 300 plus 250 for Sato. Yeah, man. Look, if this fight was, uh, if, if Gunnar hadn't been on this long layoff uh, and this fight was just, you know, Gunnar active, uh, active Gunnar Nelson against, uh, against Sato, I feel like these odds would be uh, a little more uh, respectable in my mind. But I feel like there's a lot of questions with, with Gunnar Nelson. At the same time, though, I feel like uh, with Sato taking this fight on short notice, the opponent change, uh, I feel like this it kind of favors Gunnar Nelson. And I feel like he's he's going to want to fight very smart with this being his first fight back in, in three years. If he's not careful, he can be knocked out. But um, I do think this is going to be a Gunnar Nelson win. Uh, I think we're going to see vintage Gunnar Nelson on this night. Um, possibly... Uh, a submission win, but you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, it was a loss to Gilbert Burns back in September of 2019. The last time that Gunnar Nelson was in the octagon. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, even if I, I think Gunnar Nelson is uh, the, the, the time off is, is really the only holdup here and, and just trying to guess like what he's going to be like three years later. But um even if it's just uh, for nostalgic reasons, I guess, uh, Gunnar Nelson. But no, I, I, I do legitimately think that uh, it's Gunnar Nelson for me. And hopefully um, three years later, we're not looking at a completely different version of the guy. All right. We are halfway through the main card. That takes us to one half of the skirmish that we discussed earlier, which is Patty Pimblett versus Rodrigo Vargas. Uh, Patty Pimblett kind of has the... Uh, like he's on a bar stool, right? Like he came in with a lot of yeah. hype. He's a, a like you couldn't write it as like better than it is, right? He's like this really pale dude with the floppy hair and the name, <laughs> right? Like he's he's a you're gonna notice Patty Pimblett from a look standpoint, from a name standpoint, and then he delivered in his UFC debut. Now he's getting in like the the altercations outside the octagon. He's in the media all the time with the barstool stuff. Like he's kind of on the Conor McGregor type of track. If he can win the fights, right? Uh, like he has a chance to capitalize on, on all of this um, it, because he's such a unique guy and has the media availability that he does and the persona that he does to become like the path is there for him to become the big star. It's a matter of, you know, will the, the stuff inside the octagon um, put him to that point Patty Pimblett is a minus 400 favorite plus 260 for Vargas. Yeah, man, you know, I think that the hype is warranted because when you listen to him speak, he's got this confidence about him, you know, and of course he's got the look, you know, he's got all the makings of a star uh, in his first fight. Uh, forget the guy's name who he fought, but it, you know, that first round kind of looked a little dicey, you know, it kind of looked like, you know, maybe this hype was a little too much, but Pat ended up, ended up getting the win. Uh, I think if his head is right, if this moment isn't too big for him, 
skill for skill, I think Patty uh, is obviously the better guy, and I feel like this is a fight that he should win. But if this whole skirmish with Taporia and you know fighting in front of um, uh, the home crowd, if if that becomes too much for him, he could lose this fight. But it could also help him. Like you know, Darren Till became such a big star because he fought in in London in front of the crowd that was that everyone loved everyone loved him everyone singing his his uh his entrance uh music sweet caroline he had Darren Till has a look it's just kind of like the same thing with Patty you know all that it comes down to for me i think he's fighting guys that he should beat is this moment too big for him is my only question but i do think that this is a fight he should win and i'm going to roll with Patty I'm going Patty as well. Um, I'm going to say this is a highlight uh, because I just I get the impression with him that he's one of those guys that just feeds off of the energy and attention and spotlight that's on him. Um, like we've heard, like like just, I'll use Justin Gaethje again as an example. Like Justin Gaethje, how many times have you heard him talk about like when when he hears the crowd, like that just makes him reach this this other level. Like he feeds off of it. Patty Pimblett is searching for the spotlight all the time. I kind of feel like he's going to be one of those guys, especially in front of a home crowd, that uh, it will elevate his game instead of making it go the other way. So I'm going to say this is a uh, a signature moment for Patty Pimblett maybe going forward in front of a, a London crowd, and the place is just going to go bananas. So Patty Pimblett for me also, which takes us to the co-main event and mm-hmm. and – I mean, in terms of my interest level in a fight, this is probably the most interesting fight on the entire card. Uh, Dan Hooker going down to featherweight. Arnold Allen, I think right now, is tied for the second longest win streak in featherweight history. Uh, Arnold Allen, Dan Hooker at 145. Oddshark.com has Arnold Allen at minus 102, minus 112, for Dan Hooker, I mean, this thing is uh, about as razor thin as you can get, Will. Yeah, um, as soon as this fight was announced, I mean, I was very excited for it, but I had no idea who I thought had the upper hand. Uh, there's so many questions and, and layers to this fight, man. It's There's so many questions and, and layers to this fight, man. Um, you know... Arnold Allen is on this long win streak, right? But he he he's been so inactive. Like he's not been consistently in the octagon. So like he's been winning. Like we saw him against Sadiq Youssef in his uh, in his most recent fight. He got the win and stuff. But with him being so inactive, it's kind of hard to gauge like exactly where he is. Like you see the potential and everything, but it's just kind of hard to really, to really tell, uh, where Arnold Allen really is. Um, so, you know, it's tough to say. And then Dan Hooker, you know, Dan Hooker is a guy that we've seen in some really entertaining fights at lightweight, took Dustin Poirier to the limit, uh, fought Michael Chandler, fought Edson Barbosa, um, lost to Islam in his last one. Like he's fought the best of the best, uh, at lightweight, um, he was at he was at 145 once before, but yeah. the weight cut took a lot out of him. And his coaches didn't even want him to go back down to 145. But Dan just insisted, like, 145 is my division. So, you know, and he's going to have such a size advantage over a lot of these guys. 
And I think Arnold Allen is someone who's used to having uh, a little bit of a size advantage. But Dan Hooker comes in with a, with with length, uh, reach on him. So uh, I think that's going to be different for Arnold Allen. But my my question lies within like the the weight cut for Dan Hooker. Like, how does he look uh, with um, on fi- on scale one, and then how does he look on fight day? How much does the weight cut take out of him? You know, you saw. I don't know if you saw the picture that he posted where he's uh, 162 like a few days ago. So he's got like um, 16 pounds to cut this week, which Ooh. I don't think. Which I think it, it's it's normal, but it's it's a little concerning for a guy who's um, you know having to cut this weight for the first time in in, in a while. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, with that being said, man. Uh, for this being Dan Hooker's first time in a while cutting all this weight against a guy in Arnold Allen who's been on this winning streak, who kind of knows his identity at 145, I think this is going to be a really close fight. Like, I think the odds are, are right with where I am. This is a coin flip. So I'm going to say that this fight's going to be ultra competitive, and I think that Arnold, Arnold Allen's going to edge out a split decision at home, my pick is going to be Arnold Allen. I don't hate it. I'm uh, I've been torn on this one as well. Um, and like, there, there's just a bunch of interesting ways to look at this. This Arnold Allen's on this long win streak, but Willie's fought one time since the pandemic started. Like it, it feels like the pandemic's been going on for a lifetime, and he's fought one time since the pandemic began. I do think that he's incredibly underrated in that division. He, I think he's pretty well rounded. Um, doesn't seem like there's a massive weakness anywhere. Um, he's probably somewhat underrated because there's not the like highlight quality maybe to his, his fighting style. Um, at the same time, like when you look at the resume, uh, it's, it's not loaded with nearly the same kind of opposition that Dan Hooker's faced. So you go to the Dan Hooker side of this, the weight cut becomes an issue. Um, but he's four inches taller, five and a half inch reach he has been to 145 before and i think the in terms of just the level of competition like arnold allen is super underrated for me like i just said but like facing dan dan hooker facing arnold allen isn't going to be any greater challenge than anything he's seen before on the other hand i do feel like arnold allen facing dan hooker is probably going to be unlike anything he's seen to this point um I was maybe thinking of going opposite you, um, no matter what here. Uh, but my my true lean was Dan Hooker anyway. So uh, this one works out really well. I'm gonna go Dan Hooker. Man, you know this this fight. I think I think that it, this fight is warranted for us to go opposite because yeah. this fight is that close. Like. Um, there's so many reasons as to why Dan Hooker can win this fight. And at the same time, there's so many reasons as to why Arnold Allen could win this fight. Like this fight, uh, there's so many questions and skill for skill. It's as close as you can get. Uh, but man, I'm, I'm out of all the fights on this card and there are some really, really fun fights, fun prospects to, to watch. Uh, I'm most excited for this one for sure. Yeah. I always find the ones where you have to kind of question the weight cut to me are the most interesting picks. Cause like, that's one of those things that 
it's re you just you don't you don't know it's you have no idea how much to factor that into like your thought process and who wins and like to what degree it weighs into your equation you know however you want to weight it in your mind like you know everybody weighs things different they advantages differently that's just one I, I never know how much to I mean something you have to consider but like how much of a factor does it play and and uh it to, again it just adds the biggest element of intrigue i think with a fight uh like this um which let's uh move to the main event the heavyweight division alexander volkov and tom aspinall i love this matchup as well <clears throat> volkov is the minus 126 favorite plus 110 for tom aspinall yeah, so uh, I've been conflicted on this one since it was announced. This was another one. You know, this fight um, is very close. And, uh, you know, Volkov, six foot seven. You know, I think he, he poses a lot of problems. But I think in these big spots, um, Volkov kind of um, drops the ball a little bit. You know, Cyril Gaon. He went out there and fought Cyril Gaon's fight. Volkov did. He went out there and fought his fight. Uh, Curtis Blades. Uh, I don't think there was really much that he could do to stop Blades from taking him down. And then, of course, uh, Derek Lewis, a fight that he was winning. And then, you know, getting knocked out in the last, like, 10, 15 seconds, whatever it was. You know, I just think in these big moments, in these big spots, uh, Volkov drops the ball. With that being said... Uh, I think there's a lot of questions out there on Tom Aspinall. We see the potential. Like I've always said, like he's the new generation, the the evolution of the of the heavyweight division. Like a guy who who moves really well, uh, who hits like a truck. Uh, he's the new generation. But is this too big of a step for him? Because you know he literally said like six months ago that he wanted a slow build. You know, he wanted to uh, work his way up to these moments. And then all of a sudden the UFC needs a main event for, for London and Tom Aspinall's in this spot against Volkov. Mind you, Tom Aspinall was already on this card fighting uh, Shamil, not even going to say his last name. He was already on this yeah. card. And, uh, and then, you know, the UFC needed a main event. And Tom Aspinall being a guy from London, of course, uh, a heavyweight, a guy that a lot of people can get behind. Uh, Darren Till can't make the can't make it out there. So Tom Aspinall ends up in the spot. So I just wonder, is this spot is this spot too big? You know, a guy who wanted to work his way up to the spot. Now he's a guy who's headlining a card in front of his hometown uh, in, a, in a fight that basically if he wins, like he becomes a star, you know, he's going to have the home crowd. Everyone's going to be uh, screaming for him and everything. Everyone's going to be expecting him to go out there and perform. So I don't know, man, this one's tough because there's still a lot of questions on Tom Aspinall, a guy who's been finishing fighters, but he can't go out there and expect to really just finish Volkov like that because Volkov is a guy who can go five rounds. And if Aspinall blitz him and everything, like, we don't know what Aspinall looks like in, in the late later rounds. So, you know, I went on this ramble to try to talk myself into into a pick. I'm not sure where I want to go as of as at this point. But I'm going to just go ahead and make a pick. I'm going to go with Aspinall 
because I just think that he's all he's got all the potential in the world. Despite this being a, a, a leap for him, I just think that Volkov drops the ball in these spots. This is a close fight, uh, but I'm going to go Aspinall, man. I thought you were Bam. going Volkov there. I thought you were going to go Volkov. I was, I was about to, but, but uh, you know, like, like we were saying about, um, uh, about Terrence McKinney, I mean, of yeah. course, Tom Aspinall has fought more than Terrence McKinney, but there's just something about Tom Aspinall. He's got yeah. that it factor. And in this heavyweight division, he's he's one of the outliers. He's he's a guy that's different. Uh, him and Strill gone, so that's why I'm picking Tom Aspinall. Yeah, he's also let's not forget he's also six five. So even though Volkov against almost all competition is so much longer and taller and all that, like uh, you know, it, he's not six three, he's six five. I I think he's quick. I, I you know he he looks like a guy that has juice, if you will. Inside the octagon, he's not labored with his movements. Um, I, I like how well-rounded he appears to be based on, you know, the brief amount of time he's been in the UFC. Um, I, I think this is his moment as well. I, I, you know, Volkov is dangerous, but um, I don't feel like this is a guy that's super careless. Um, as you referenced him talking about wanting to take it slow, I think that speaks to his maturity as a fighter and understanding, like, you know, this isn't just a go rock'em, sock'em robot thing. Like, I think he's going to understand the danger, not necessarily put himself in precarious situations, but at the same time, like, you know, we've seen him um, have big hands. We've seen the ground game. Like, th I think he has a pretty versatile attack. So um, I think we're going to see a really good version of Tom Aspinall in this fight, and uh, I'm excited to see him potentially take that next step into – um, the heavyweight division and, and Tom Aspinall's name being thrown around toward the top. And this win would certainly do that. So uh, Tom Aspinall for me also. Yeah, man, like, you know, Tom Aspinall just has it. And I think in this heavyweight division, man, these younger guys are starting to really, like, add up, you know, uh, surreal uh, Aspinall now. Um uh, uh, what's the man uh, tied to Avasa? You know, Avasa, yeah. he's been in the game for a while, but like he's really starting to put it together. Like you know, Stepe and John Jones are like at the top of the division, just kind of holding things up. But you know, there's there's a flock of young guys, young hungry guys who are coming up. Tom Aspinall is one of them, man. And you know, I think out of everyone in this heavyweight division, the the two most skilled guys are Cyril Gaon and, and Tom Aspinall. And I, I think that this is a fight that he should definitely win. I just hope he doesn't get so riled up from it being from being at home and being in, in front of the, the home crowd and stuff that he goes out there and just, you know, fights uncharacteristically and yeah. fight and tries to blitz him because that, that'll get him knocked out. So yeah, for sure. This is, this should, this should be a Tom Aspinall win. So pulling for him, man, it would be tough to, to for him to lose in front of the London crowd. Yeah, no doubt. All right, man. So we are on the opposite side of Arnold Allen, Dan Hooker, and that's it, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so that's it. Man. That is it. So the co-main event is the only one where uh, essentially points are available to be gained by either party. Uh, so good luck in uh, six of the seven, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, seven fights. I'm, 
I'm hoping that Dan Hooker has a nice weight cut and everything, but I hope it really affects his performance on fight day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, on this prelim card, man, um, these prelims are outstanding. You know, we already mentioned Krelov and Paul Craig, but Jack Shore, uh, another name to watch at bantamweight, a guy who uh, a lot of people are high on. I heard, I've heard people say that like, he's like little GSP. Like that is a very, uh, those are like big shoes to fill. But, you know, Jack Shore has looked uh, incredible up to this point. And then have you heard about um, Muhammad? Hold on, Mukaya? hold on, hold on, hold on. Timur Valiev is the betting favorite in the matchup against Jack Shore, by the way. That's an awesome matchup that I'm with you. Like, I, I, I'm i a big Jack Shore guy as well, who I think is uh, a guy that, if given the right opportunities, could make some uh, waves in that division, and he's the underdog here. Wow. You know, I thought... You know, I guess I wasn't really paying attention to the to the guy he was fighting. Just saw that Jack Shore was on yeah. was, was was fighting, but it, you know, for for Jack Shore with all that uh, hype around him to be the betting underdog, man, that uh, that goes to show like this is not going to be an easy fight for him. Um, so I, I'm excited to watch Jack Shore for sure. Um, and have you heard of uh, Muhammad Mukaya? Yeah, yeah, against Cody Durden. Yeah, flyweight who's 21 years old who's got a lot of hype around him everyone thinks like this is going to be the youngest ufc champion in ufc history um he's got a lot of hype uh this is his ufc debut and i'm sure if he wins this in dominant fashion they're going to fast track him uh he he has the potential to be a a star in, in a division that needs uh some stars so I'm excited for Mukayev, and that's uh, that's the first fight of the night. So I'm going to be locked yeah. in as soon as this fight card starts, man. Nathaniel Wood, Vince Morales, I think, is a good matchup. Um, we have the Absolutely. heavyweights. Uh, you mentioned Shamil Abdurakimov, I think. is. Oh, uh, yeah. That was supposed to be Tom Aspinall's opponent. Sergey Pavlovich Chef is kid. stepping in there, so... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A big, a big-time yeah. fight at heavyweight. Um... Shamil is a guy who's really tough, uh, but he's been knocked out a few times. And and Pavlovich is a guy who who's been knocking guys out. So that should be a very fun fight. Uh, there's just a lot to love on this card, man, from start to finish. I mean, I'm going to be locked in, but I'm also going to be watching the NCAA tournament. Yep. Not there's not enough TVs for for all the stuff that I'm trying to do this weekend, but it's going to be fun. I will be uh, simulcasting as many screens as I can as well. Uh, before we run, you got your final four in place? I don't. I'm uh, okay. just now kind of working my way through. Okay, fair enough. You can uh, text me later. Absolutely. Uh, there's this, this, it's so wide open, man. Like, I don't feel like there's really many dominant teams out there. A lot of I don't feel like there there may not be a number one seed to get to the final four. I would not be surprised by that. I've got one. I've got one number <laughs> one in my final four. So, yeah. Well, well yeah. I'll fill out my bracket and I'll, I'll text my final four for sure. But uh, I mean, my final four might be wild. It might be all over the place. Do it, dude. <laughs> Do it. Don't fight it. Just embrace the chaos. <laughs> embrace the madness. I guess is the appropriate word. I feel like we're definitely gonna get a lot of it, man. <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, we will obviously be in touch on Saturday. Uh, can't wait for this fight card. And look, another one, another big one right around the corner. So uh, back next week. Yes, sir.
The podcast is over.